Amen. Well, uh, this morning, um, we're going to be talking about a topic that everybody especially enjoys to talk about before Thanksgiving dinner. We're going to discuss self-control for a few minutes today, okay? And if you need an outline for this sermon, (laughs) I know, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Not everybody all at once. Hold your hugs and your, yeah, I know. I'm going to be the most hated man in Barstow in about 10 minutes. Um, But if you need an outline this morning, raise your hand. If you didn't get one when you came in, the ushers will give you one. And I I was praying about what to to preach today. And the the obvious choice on Thanksgiving Sunday is let's talk about what we're thankful for. And that's great, you know. I mean, obviously, that's extremely biblical. But i got to always follow what the Holy Spirit's telling me. And he led me towards this direction of talking about self-control. And I'm like, God, are you sure about that? Is that really what you need to be discussed on Thanksgiving Sunday, and I'm confident that this is what the Lord has told us to talk about. And um, uh, we, we have the bookstore back there, and we always like to maybe give you some further material that you could look at after the sermon. But we have this great book back there called Qualified from Reverend Tony Cook. He preaches at this church every single year. And um, it, this, this goes a lot with what we're talking about today. It's called Serving God with Integrity and Finishing Your Course with Honor. So if this spurs some of your thinking and you maybe um, think you'd like to study this out a little bit more, you can grab that book back there called Qualified. So, you know, we're starting the holiday season pretty much officially right now because right here, man, we got Thanksgiving in a few days. We're cruising on into Christmas and New Year's. And if you're like me, I, I live for about the next 30 days. My whole year revolves around getting to Thanksgiving Day and finishing out with Christmas and New Year's. And it's just, I love it, love it, love it. This is the best time of year, you know, at least in my opinion. Okay, anyone else you love this time of year? Good. And uh, and so I, I always think it's nice when we start the holiday season to do it from a biblical perspective. And so we're going to kind of give some practical, godly advice today on how we can get through this season because... With this great season comes sometimes some challenges. Does anybody here have any annoying relatives? Let's hear it for annoying relatives, all right? Yeah. You know, maybe you got Cousin Eddie that pulls up and, you know, I don't know what your situation is. But, you know, there's just all types of uh, things you've gotta, you, that you've got to endure to get through the holidays sometimes, even though it's a great blessing. So uh, what we're going to discuss today is the topic of self-control. And you'll see that there are several areas that we could use some self-control in during this season, all right? So I'm going to go ahead and open us up in prayer here, and we're going to discuss this for a few minutes, and I believe God's going to speak to you today. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much for an amazing family that we're surrounded with here today. God, it's great. But Lord, I pray that as we open up the Word of God today, that you will speak to each person here. Lord, prepare our hearts. We, we want to learn from you, and we want to be the Christian that you've called us to be. And so today, speak to us and change us, whether we like it or not. Bring us up and, 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 and discipline us, correct us, whatever you need to do to make us stronger for you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. And so a definition of self-control uh, is, is kind of this, you know, and again, some of this may be painful. And as I'm studying this, I'm like, wow, this is really punching me between the eyes because self-control is not a fun thing to discuss. Nobody wants to talk about discipline and, and doing things you, you know, don't want to do. But a definition of self-control is choosing to do what's right when I feel like doing wrong. 
choosing to do what's right when I feel like doing wrong. Because none of us, 100% of the time, feel like doing the right thing. A lot of times the wrong thing would be much more convenient, much easier, and probably feel a lot better. And, and listen to me, that is going to get you in trouble. That's going to lead you to places that God never intended for you to end up at. And so we're going to look at a few things here today. Number one is this, self-control is biblical. Self-control is biblical. It's, in the, it's not just something, you know, that we make up or, you know, we use to, you know, be controlling or, or, you know, make people feel under condemnation. No, self-control is an absolutely biblical thing. And you've got to realize that anything in the Bible, even if it's a little bit painful right now, it's always for your good. Everything in there is for your benefit. And if you can learn to use biblical principles in the right way, it's going to benefit you. And it's going to be a tool that God has given you to live a stronger life. Everything in there, it's a tool for you to use to live a stronger life. And so let's look at something very familiar here today. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5. Amen. And some of you are like, did you just say fruit? I smelled cherry pie over there. That's no, 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 no. This is different. This is different. Galatians 5, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. And you'll, you will thank me later. I, I promise you after this is over, you'll thank me. The rest of your family might thank me. Those around you could possibly, I don't know. But Galatians 5, verses 22 through 23 and man, a lot of you, especially if you're raised in church, you're very familiar with this. But it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And when you're looking at the fruit of the Spirit... This list of nine things right here is what people should see coming from a Christian's life. They should see love coming out of the Christian life. They should see joy. Christians should not walk around, you know, so angry and depressed. Listen, that shouldn't be a Christian. No, peace. You should be full of the peace of God. Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. Christians should be gentle people. We shouldn't be hostile and mean and crazy. No, all of these things are what a Christian looks, should look like. And so the fruit of the Spirit, I put it this way, it's the proof that you are a Christian when these things are seen out of your life. And notice that that last thing on there, last but not least, is self-control. A Christian should be a person that demonstrates self-control in their life. Now, there's a lot of things I see on the news and on TV, all these people doing crazy stuff, throwing rocks through windows and everything. Listen, I, I really, it doesn't surprise me that much. They don't have that much self-control because self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. And if you're not born again, I mean, we're all responsible for our own actions. I get that. But if you're not born again, you don't have the power to have the self-control that Jesus Christ offers to us. As Christians, Jesus gives us extra power to be able to control ourselves. It's still up to us to make right choices. He will not make the choice for you, but he gives you the power that it takes to make right choices and to control yourselves and, and your desires and the things that are tempting you. He gives you that power. But for those people that aren't Christians, it doesn't surprise me when I see them going crazy and doing all this stupid stuff. Listen, I, it, 
they don't have what you have. They don't have a spirit of self-control. And so I want to show you a, a chapter that I've really been studying in my life the last month or two. I've been sharing it with youth group. But there's a few things in this chapter that really stick out to me. So I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And, you know, when we're thinking about Peter, he was, he was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. He was literally one of Jesus' three best friends. He was closer to Jesus than, I mean, anybody back then. Peter, James, and John, Jesus' three best friends. And Peter had a reputation for sometimes not exactly exercising self-control. He was known to, you know, kind of blurt some things out, kind of a loudmouth type of guy. Uh, you know, he was a fisherman, so kind of maybe a rough around the edges sailor type of dude. But here he is. Of course, he he's, gets this close to Jesus. And after Jesus passes on, Peter's one of the leaders of the church. And so he writes these letters right here. And I'll bet Peter at this point in his life is a lot more mature than he was when Jesus first pulled him off the boat and said, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. I mean, Peter at this point in time is probably uh, a little more advanced, a little more senior. And so First Peter chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 13 through 16. And this speaks to me. It says, so think clearly and exercise self-control. I, I can feel the groan coming from a lot of people right now. Like, read that junk, man. I came here to get motivated today. Well, let's see. Think clearly and exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Listen to this. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now, but now, you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. And there's so many things right there that speak to us right now. Listen, think clearly. There's a lot of people that I don't know if they're thinking at all, but they're certainly not thinking clearly. They're just thinking about themselves and what they can do to make me feel better. Take care of number one. Get as much money. Get as much food. Get as much pleasure as I can get. They're not thinking clearly at all. They're selfish. And it says, think clearly and exercise self-control. Don't slip back into your old way of living. Wow. And I know a lot of us, God has brought us from a place that we do not want to go back to. Is anybody in here? You could say, man, he brought me out and I don't want to go back. That was awful. I don't want to go back there. And so he says, don't slip back because anybody, everybody's susceptible to slipping back. And one way you can start to slip back to that old way is kind of losing self-control, even in little areas. Even little areas, you know, you, you, you're just kind of starting to let things go and, and just do what, what makes you happy. Listen, that's going to drag you back to the pit that Jesus pulled you out of. Don't go back there. And one way you can avoid this is learning to exercise self-control. And it says you didn't know any better back then, but now you do. You know what I mean? Is there some stuff what you did when you were a kid, but you didn't know any better, so we kind of let it go? You know, I've got kids, they do some stuff and, you know, it's, it can be really annoying and make me pretty angry sometimes. But I'm like, well, they didn't know any better just yet, so we're going to teach them. But, I mean, it, it, it's cute to do some of those things when you're two. Monica was telling me a story the other day of how Joel hit her in the eye with a Lego when he was about one year old. And he said, it's okay, don't cry, I'll get you some chocolate milk, it'll be okay, I'll be right back. And he ran, <laughs> you know, because, you know, at that age, chocolate milk fixes things. 
But if you're throwing Legos in other adults' eyes and you're 25 years old, that's not cute. That's assault. That's wrong. You know, it's not cute anymore. You didn't know any better back then, but now you do. So we're going to have to hold you accountable for the decisions and the actions that you're making. And it's the same way in this, you know, society, this world we live in. And it's the same way with Jesus Christ. Okay, there's some things maybe you did early on when you first became a Christian or when you were younger. And it's like, okay, he's learning. We're going to let it go. But as you get older, it's like, okay, it's not cute anymore. You got to quit doing that. You're hurting other people. You're hurting yourself. Don't do that anymore. You know better now than to be doing that. And so this is on your outline. When you've reached a certain level of maturity, you're held accountable for a lot more than when you were a child. When you've reached a certain level of maturity, you are held accountable for a lot more than when you were a child. And, you know, one thing that kids say when they do something stupid is, well, I couldn't help myself. I, I mean, I saw the cookie, so I, I grabbed it. And, uh, you know, that, that, they, that's an excuse that children use. I, I couldn't help myself. I had no control. And, okay, yeah. But listen, as you get older, that is not an excuse anymore. I couldn't help myself. I, I, I couldn't control myself. I just did this. And as a Christian, that is never an excuse to say, I had no control, I couldn't help myself, I thought she was good looking, so I left my wife and went with her. No! Never! There's never a time when God's going to say, oh, okay, you couldn't help yourself, sorry. I, I thought you could, but you couldn't. No! Not going to happen. So I'm going to quote this verse to you, 2 Timothy 1.7 in the New Living Translation. Uh, just put up on the screen. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And what is self-discipline? It's self-control. So listen, if you're here and you say, I have no self-control, I was not given that gift. Well, now you have been because you've read this verse. It says, God has given you a spirit of self-discipline. Merry Christmas. That's what you got this year. You may have not got the Nintendo you wanted, but you got self-control. And if you say, well, I never had it before, you've got it now because now you've read this verse. God, that is, you never have the excuse again that I, well, I just, it's, I, it's not me, I just happened. No, you have been given a spirit of self-control, a spirit of self-discipline. Jesus gave it to you, and so it's up to you to use it. Okay, I can give you, I can give you toys, I can, I can give you a present. If we give you a brand new drill and you need something drilled, you're like, well, I mean, I, I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't. Listen, it's been given to you, it's up to you. If you're going to use it, we can't make you use it. Jesus cannot force you to do anything. Okay, you've got a free will. If you want to go out and do stupid stuff, you can. He can't force you to do the right thing, but he has given you the power to do the right thing. It is up to you how you're going to use the gifts that he's given you. And one gift he's given you is a spirit of self-discipline, a spirit of self-control. Now, Jesus himself is highly qualified to talk on this subject, you know, we study the life of Jesus and, you know, some people are like, well, that's no fair. He was Jesus. I mean, he just had it easy. Listen, he came to this earth as a man. He came here. He was born of a woman. We're getting ready to celebrate all this. You know this stuff. He was he came down here. It says he was tempted in all the same ways we are. He just didn't sin. He was tempted. And so I look at some of the stuff Jesus did. We see he's a he's a young boy studying the scriptures all the time. Jesus one time went 40 days without eating. He went on a 40-day fast. Can you imagine 40 days with no food? Some of us can't go 40 minutes without food. And here we are, you know, uh, 40 days 
with no food. You, Jesus knows about self-discipline. It's, it was not easy for him. That was very difficult. He did it, though. It talks about Jesus. He would pray sometimes all the way through the night. All the way through the night. Is that because he just had these powers and, and nobody else? No. He needed to sleep. He needed to eat. He needed to drink water. He was just like us. But he had so much control over himself that when he knew something else was more important, he's like, I can do without this right now because there's something greater that I've got to go handle. And that's the level that all of us should attain to. I'm not asking anybody to go 40 days without eating. Do not leave this church and tell them that you were told to go 40 days without food. No. But we need to get to a place of self-control and self-discipline. And Jesus is highly qualified to talk about this. So I'm going to show you something. But the first step to having great self-control is giving Jesus self is giving Jesus control of your life. The very first step to having good self-control is giving Jesus control in your life. And if you're trying to call all the shots yourself all the time and no, no, I don't care. I know it says that, but I don't want to do that. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. Listen, no, you've got to be able to anything in this Bible that if it says don't do that, we've got to get to the place where we say, okay, I may not like that. And there's things in there that sometimes I read. I'm like, man, why is I going to be in there? Why? I like doing this. And there's tons of things I read in the Bible where absolutely is a little smack in the face and say, you know, listen, if you'll give that up, I've got something a whole lot better for you. I mean, you can hold on to your little toys there, but I'm, I've got something a whole lot better for you if you'll do it my way. And everything, I can't say this enough, everything we read in here is for our benefit. There's nothing in the Bible that God put in there that's just so, you know, to take something away from you that's good for you. No. Everything in there is for our benefit because God wants us to live an amazing life. So let me show you something in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. We having a good time so far? Yeah. I'll have a whole lot better when you've got a turkey wing in your mouth in a few minutes. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. And this is a, kind of an interesting story to me, so I just wanted to throw this in here. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Now, a lot of people call Jesus Lord. You know, I know a lot of people like, oh, yes, Jesus is Lord. And I'm like, hey, cool. But Jesus has a question that he presents to some people one time. These people are like, Lord, we love you. Lord, yes. Amen, Lord. Lord, Lord, Lord. And so Jesus finally asked this question, and it's brilliant. And it's an obvious question. But Luke 6, verse 46, he says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Like, ow! Oh! Why? Because even, I mean, I'm looking at my life and I'm like, oh, jeez, man, that hurts. There's nobody in this room that can read that and say, that does not hurt. That hurts me. Jesus is like, hey, why do you keep calling me Lord when you don't even do what I say? A Lord is somebody that you obey. They have authority in your life. You do what they say, right? That's what a Lord is. I mean, your landlord, you've got to obey the rules because you're borrowing their house. You're renting it. You aren't allowed to just go in and, you know, add on an extra room to the, someone else's house. They're the landlord. They call the shots. You would definitely have to get their permission for this. But Jesus, if he's your Lord, you do what he says. And so Jesus is the very valid question. He's confused like, why do you, who are, why do you keep calling me Lord? Well, you don't do what I say. I don't get it. Why, why, 
why are you calling me Lord? That doesn't make any sense because you don't do what I say. And that's not to make all any of us feel guilty. That's for us to look at our lives and say, man, you know, I call him Lord. Am I really doing what he says to do? And there are so many people in our day and age that call Jesus Lord. And Jesus said you can judge a tree by its fruit. So you're like, are you judging it? Well, yeah, I'm judging their fruit. Jesus said, if, if, you know, it, uh, you can't get apples off of an orange tree, right? That doesn't make any sense. And so if you see constantly producing non-Christian fruit, that does not mean to say, I, I'm not sure he's a Christian yet. He's pretty mean. He's, he's pretty awful to other people. He, he says a lot of bad, mean Listen, that's not, that's not mean to observe and judge the fruit on somebody else's life. Jesus said to do this. And one of my, you know, favorite things, you ever watch an award show on TV? Anyone? I, I try not to, but I've unfortunately seen a few. And, and so, you know, you, you see someone come up there and get their award, and here's the guy that wrote, uh, you know, that he's getting an award for a song that he used every nasty potty mouth word that is possibly in the English language, talking about what he's going to do to women and all this stuff. I'd like to thank my Lord Jesus Christ. What? And Jesus is saying, I have nothing to do with this. No. And here's kind of the look that I think Jesus gives from heaven when he's like, you serious right now? Thank your Lord. I'm not your Lord. Don't blame this on me. I have nothing to do with that. Man, God wouldn't let prisoners listen to your music. And here you are. And so anyway, it's just something for us to to look at our lives. and, and, And Jesus is saying, you keep calling me Lord. I don't get it. Why do you keep calling me Lord when you don't do the things that I say to do? And so for us, we're not trying to make anybody feel, you know, condemned or anything like that. But we all make mistakes. We get this, okay? Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody sins. We all all sin. I sin. Everybody sins. It's one thing to, I mean, you know, you let let that wrong word slip out of your mouth. It's another thing for it to be your lifestyle, and that's just what you do every single day. You're you're a foul-mouthed, potty-mouthed pervert. (laughs) You know, just keep keep it real here. And, And listen... It's one thing to let something slip, but if that's who you are every day, that's not just a mistake. That's your lifestyle. There's a big difference. And so Jesus at that point is saying, why does this guy keep calling me Lord? I don't get it. He doesn't do anything I say. It doesn't make any sense. Okay? So we all make mistakes. We all sin. It's one thing to commit a sin. It's another thing to make that your full-out lifestyle. There is a difference there. Okay? And so for all of us, this, we're on topic here. We're talking about self-control. We're each responsible for controlling ourselves. Jesus said, I've given you the tools. I've given you the power to do this. But I'm not going to come down there and make you do it. I'm not going to come down there and slap the cheeseburger out of your hand. I'm not going to come down there and, you know, knock that bottle out of your hand. You're responsible for making the right choices yourself. And so I'll say it this way. Jesus is the only one who can truly see our hearts. We can't fool him. Jesus is the only one that can truly see. And he knows, man, we're, we're getting there. No one's perfect. We're trying, though. We're trying to get there. You know, it, it, it's, it's one thing, you know, I, I thought about it this way. Of, you know, man, maybe you, you stole a candy bar from a store as a child. That's wrong. You shouldn't have done it. But, you know, hopefully you've made things right by now. It's another thing, every time you go to a store, you still slip a, a candy bar into your purse or into your, and you're still, listen, you've made a lifestyle of being a thief. 
If you did it one time, I don't really consider you to be, you know, a, a thief. But if every time you're, listen, you're a thief. And Jesus can see our hearts when nobody else can. And so we can't say, well, I had no control. It's just it's what I do, man. It's my addiction. I, I steal stuff. No. Jesus sees our hearts. You can't fool him. And so if we're living a lifestyle completely contrary to the word of God and then calling him Lord when it's convenient, he sees right through that. And so some people want the benefits that Jesus has to offer, but they don't want to obey his word. Some people, they want the benefits that Jesus has to offer, but they don't want to obey his word. They don't want to have self-control. They don't want to control, you know, the, the desires. They don't want to uh, get, make any difference. Listen, Jesus sees us. He knows our hearts. And, and sometimes we slip up and other people would say, no, I knew he was bad. I know. And Jesus would say, no, he's not bad. I see his heart. He, he is sorry for that. He didn't, mean, he, he didn't mean to do that. I see his heart. So either way, good or bad, Jesus sees our hearts. And don't we thank God that he gives us second chances? Oh, man, thank God for second chances. I thank God that when other people give up on us, Jesus doesn't. When other people say, no, he, he's a lost cause, he's always going to be, no. Jesus says, I, there's potential there, I can do something with this guy. Because Jesus sees our hearts, and we've got to remember that. And so we can't, though, just say, well, I like the parts, that I like the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and I'm, I'll do the gentleness, but the self-control, I don't want that. No, I, I, I don't want that part. Listen, if you want all of God's blessings, we've got to get to a place where we obey all of his word that we know. That's when you start reaping the blessings. That's when God starts doing some really, really big things in your life. And so when you make Jesus Lord, it's a lot easier to control impulses and desires. Because he gives you the power to do it. You still have control, but he gives you the power. To have self-control and make right choices. So I want to look at a few areas today that we can look out for entering the holiday season. You know, I, I think we all have a lot in common, no matter where, where we're from, who we are. You know, we, we've, all, we've all got a lot of the same things in common. And I think there's a lot of the same areas that try to come against us and hit us. And so we're going to look at a few areas to look out for, for you to have self-control in entering this holiday season. And the first one I'm going to say is this, is fear. Like, fear? Really? Well, yeah, fear. Because we're all tempted to fear, and when you break it down, fear is the exact opposite of faith. Fear is still believing in the unseen, okay? So fear is kind of a form of reverse faith because you're still believing that something bad is going to happen even though you haven't seen it happen yet, right? So it's kind of a reverse mock faith, but faith is believing something good is going to happen even though you haven't seen it yet. And when it comes to the holiday Christmas season, you know, we are, we're tempted to deal with fear, especially if you've got a whole bunch of kids. They handed me my, my uh, list of stickers from children's registration today. And this is when I finally realized I've got a lot of kids. They like hand me this. I'm like, yeah, these are all mine. And so they, they hand me this for my kids. And I'm like, okay, dang. So look at this. And when you've got a bunch of kids and, and you no, know, no matter who you are, we are tempted to fear during the holidays. Well, how am I going to provide? What, what if this happens? What, what if that happens? What, what if this, what if that? Well, 2 Timothy 1.7 again. I'm going to show you this verse. We, we, we quoted it earlier, but 2 Timothy 1.7 in the New Living Translation, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, 
love and self-discipline. God has not given us a spirit of what? Fear. fear. So if there is fear in our lives, is it from God? God didn't give it to us. The devil did. And anything that the devil gives you, I'll just give you, you know, heads up if you didn't know yet. Any packages arriving from the devil, do not accept them. They are not good. Everything he does is to hurt you. Fear is there to hurt you. The devil wants to come in and bring fear in. Well, I, I don't know, man. You, you, uh, you, you've seen it. Prices are going up. Things are going up. Uh, they cut your hours. Uh, I, I don't know. And fear tries to come in and hit us at this joyous, beautiful, perfect time of year. The devil wants to come in and use any tool that he can to mess this time of year up. And so many of us are tempted to worry and be afraid about how we'll get gifts for our kids. Don't worry. God is our source, not our jobs. Some of you got that. Some of you did not. So let's just go over this. God is our source, not our jobs. You're like, well, that's who gives me the paycheck. That's fine. Your God has several different channels, several different ways of providing for your needs. Do you realize that? Your, your job is not the only way that God has of providing for your needs. You think God has, oh, well, that's the only, the only way I have to get money to my people is just through their job or the only way I have to get food on the table. No, God has thousands of channels of taking care of your needs and providing for your, your resources. The job is not the only way. So if you look at that as the only way that you're going to get enough for Christmas this year is the only way is through your job that you'll have Christmas dinner, food, you know, gifts and everything. If, if, it's, if it's limited to just one channel, God's saying, man, quit tying my hands. I, I've got thousands of ways I can provide for somebody's needs. Think about the prophet Elijah in the Old Testament. There's a drought in Israel and the king is angry at him. and The king's trying to kill him. So he goes out in the middle of the desert by himself. And guess what? Every day God sends these ravens that bring food and deliver. He not only ha- he doesn't have to go out and get his food. He gets food delivered to him. He had delivery before there was delivery. Think about it. God is more advanced than you can even imagine. Okay? iPhones do not impress God. He knew about that, you know, trillions of years. But here we are. And so Elijah, if he thought, well, I can't go out and, you know, clock in every day. I guess I'm going to die because I don't have it. No. God has countless, limitless ways of providing for your needs. Can anybody, you can raise your hand and say, God's used other sources than just my employer to provide for my needs. So don't be afraid. Don't look at what you have right now. God can do a lot better than that. God is our source, not our jobs. If that's your only source, you are strictly limited to what comes in in your paycheck. If it's, if it's less than what you thought, you are just up the creek without a paddle. It's awful for you, bad, scary. But if you can say, no, that's not my only source. I know God's my source. God's got other ways of taking care of me. I'm not worried then you're going to have an amazing Christmas. Your kids are going to have just the absolute best they've ever had. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be beautiful. You're not going to have to go out and get a credit card for it either. God's going to bring it in. Amen? You're not going to have to pay someone 50% interest on it. God's going to take care of it. So, God is our source. And you've got to realize that God is really rich. Anybody? Is God really rich? Is he richer than old Santa Claus? Oh, yeah. I mean, we love St. Nick. Love him. But God is our source. And so the second thing I'm going to talk about is this, about areas to watch out for. This is for the holiday season. Is a word called gluttony. 
I'm going to stroke this nasty-looking beard for a minute as we talk about it. If you're new here, I don't normally look like a fugitive truck driver, but this is No Shave November, so I, you know, I had to do this to help keep my brother happy. But we're going to talk about this area called gluttony, and you're like, what is gluttony? Well, gluttony means excessive. It means eating and stuffing yourself with food past the point of being full. You're like, that's in the Bible? Oh, yeah, that's in the Bible. Yeah, several places, yeah. And it, it's all over there. <laughs> You're like, well, that doesn't sound fun. Why is it talking about that? Everything in the Bible is for your good, right? Is it a good thing to constantly stuff yourself so much to the point? It can eventually damage your body. And I, okay, so have you ever seen competitive eaters? It's, it's kind of funny, but... I was looking at some people really stuff themselves. And just so you don't feel too bad, before I really knock you here in a second, there's this uh, a competitive eater named Joey Chestnut. And I was looking at some of his, he holds a lot of world records for eating. You're like, you can hold a record for that? Absolutely, yeah. And, I mean, listen, it's 2016. There's a lot of stupid things in this world. And this is one of them. And so, Joey, he ate 72 hot dogs in 10 minutes. <laughs> This is my favorite. 141 hard-boiled eggs in eight minutes. <laughs> yeah. The stuff you learn at church. Isn't this great? Aren't you glad you came today? So no matter what happens later, you can be like, well, at least I need 141 hard-boiled eggs. <laughs> I timed myself. I did it in 10 minutes. So he ate 32 quarter-pound pork sandwiches in 10 minutes, 72 bratwurst in 10 minutes. And this is a good one. Uh, is Jesse Montenegro here? Okay, all right. Joey ate almost 14 pounds of ribs in 12 minutes. Wow. <laughs> and so you're like, yeah, man. And I love ribs. Oh, me and my dad, we love ribs. But 14 pounds in 12 minutes? And so I would say that this is verging on that. You know, there's a fine line here. But 14 pounds of ribs, that's probably gluttony at that point. Now, you could make the argument, well, I wasn't really full, so I just kept... Well, I want to show you something here. Let's just look at this. We've got to get some Bible here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So we are going to exercise self-control at the dinner table today, am I right? Wow. <laughs> I seriously thought you could fake it at least for a minute. But... The Lord appreciates your honesty. Now I know. I need to get to that line quick because some of you, and some of you have that look on your eyes right now, like, you know, lying out on the safari. You're getting ready to, like, just dig into a zebra or something. You're, you're listening, but you get that blank stare, like there's nothing going on behind you, you know. First Corinthians 6. This guy, shut up. First Corinthians 6. Verses 19 through 20. It says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? You've got to take care of your body. You, you really do. It says, the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a price. So you must honor God with your body. You've got to honor God with your body. Now this is maybe kind of obvious. Is stuffing yourself with 141 hard-boiled eggs, honoring God, is absolutely just cramming it in. You're like, I'm full, but it's, it's Thanksgiving, and i got to get... No, that, it's God looking down and saying, oh, so proud of my son right now. He put down six pounds of turkey and another four of stuffing. I'm so... 
listen, we should all celebrate. And this is a way that we, for some reason, Americans, we chose to celebrate by stuffing ourselves. And that, you know, I get that. I get it. But this does not just apply to Thanksgiving or Christmas. This starts with living a lifestyle of self-control. It starts with living a lifestyle of self-control. And, you know, as I studied this, I read one great pastor wrote that this area is kind of a test ground for a lot of other areas. If you can prove that you can control yourself with your appetite, it it shows God that, listen, you you can also pretty much start to control yourself in a lot of other areas, too. If you can control your appetite, you're a lot more likely to have self-control in a lot of other areas of your life. Again, this isn't to make anybody feel bad. This is to help us feel better. And Thanksgiving, the holidays, it's one time, you know, they say that average American on, there's some stat about it. We gain a certain amount every holiday season, and that's funny and everything. But but seriously, self-control, even in the area of gluttony. And, and I'll rat on myself. I'm not too good to rat on myself. Listen, I've been a bad boy many, many years around the holiday season. Very bad. You know, I, I was talking, uh, well, I gave a sermon a few weeks ago, and I talked about, hey, you know, I, God's brought me through, uh, you know, listen, and I don't ever claim to be. I am the furthest person in the world from perfect. But one of the church members came and said, come on, seriously, seriously, you've done, like, yes, I've done wrong. And I'm going to give you an example because it says to confess your sins one to another. So my wife, uh, she makes every Christmas season these things called Oreo truffles. Oreo truffles. And I seem to have a weakness for cream cheese, cheesecake type of things. It's, I have no control. I can't help myself. <laughs> and so anyway... So she makes them, and in previous years, I mean, she'd make some for all the family, and she made me my own personal basket of them. I mean, I'd clear those out, like, in not very long at all. I'm not proud of it. It's wrong. It's gross. It's terrible. But I found myself getting to the place where I'd be like, man, no one's around. I could go get some from the basket she made for my brothers. (laughs) Yeah. She's going to overnight these to Indiana to to my family out there. Like, well, just one from each basket, no one's going to notice. Man, how wrong is that? And so here I am, Cletus, you know, man, it's wrong. There's nothing right about this. And I'm not proud. I'm ashamed. That's awful. Who would do that? Steal from your own brothers at Christmas. But I did it. And so I've reached a level where I'm going to say, man, listen, I've got to exercise self-control. I've got to get this. I've got to conquer it. Because it was, man, she'd make them, and I'd be like, I'd go into this zone, like, you know, like an, an addict or something, like just whatever's there, give me all of them, take all, and, and just stuff them in, and, and, and it's wrong. And you think, that's kind of funny, but that is wrong. That is wrong when you've lost control and you stuff yourself with, you know, 20 pounds of chocolate and Oreos. That is wrong. And I did it. So here I am today to just tell this to all of us. Yeah, we're going to eat a little bit extra. Absolutely. But don't lose control of yourself. Don't go into a, you know, a, you're a zombie and you just absolutely have, you're, you've turned into a madman and you're, you just can't control yourself. Don't get there because that, at that point, does become a sin. And so I've confessed my sins. Now we're going to call on some of you to confess yours. <laughs> Vol- any volunteer? Okay. I'm kidding. Some of you thought I was serious, man. Some of you did. I saw the fear and saw my, oh my gosh. No, no, no. Okay, 
Who's ready for the last thing so you can cram that pie down your... Yeah, all right. Okay, the last thing is this. Number three, areas to, to look out for. We're going to talk about anger for just a few minutes. Don't get angry. But for anger for just a few minutes. Because as, as we all know, at Christmas, we get to deal, and the holiday season, we get to deal with the people that we love the most, but absolutely annoy us the most. Am I right? I have four brothers. Four. And each one's more annoying than the next one. They're every single one. And so, again, I speak from experience. I'm not just, you know, throwing stuff out there because it's out. No. Listen, all of us, we're at, we deal with this at the holiday season. It's definitely a time for everybody to, to get together and be happy. But the devil will use anger. Okay, let's get real here. The devil will use anger at this time of year to come in and screw you up for the rest of the year. Won't he? This time of year that's supposed to be about Jesus and your family and having a great time, the devil will come in, and if he can use anger to tick you off at your family or anybody else for that matter, listen, he can do a lot of damage to families at Christmas time. Let me show you this last thing here. Ephesians chapter 4. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 through 27. So just as God has tools and channels and avenues for bringing blessing into your life, the devil has tools and avenues and channels that he will use to bring a lot of destruction into your life. And one area that the devil will use is anger and being offended and getting mad at the people around you. He will use this. He uses it very successfully. But Ephesians 4, verses 26 and 27, it says, And don't sin by letting anger control you. Okay? So is it a sin to be angry? No. Anger in itself is not a sin. It is a sin when you let anger control you, because somebody controlled by anger does extremely foolish things. You will say things you regret. You will do things that you will definitely regret later because when you let anger control you, I mean, you aren't even thinking clearly, man. You're just ready to, boom, blow up on somebody, and it is bad. Listen, we're trying to help everybody out here. It says, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. It gives a foothold to the devil. Now, can you imagine you're trying, you're trying to run your race in this life? You're trying to complete your journey. You're trying to do what God's called you to do, trying to live your life for him. And you've got somebody completely wrapped around your ankle. I mean, you're not going to get very far at all. He's going to hold you back and trip you up. You're going to keep falling down. You're going to be pushing and, and trying extra hard. I don't know when, why. No no prayers are getting answered. Nothing's going right. Nothing seems to go right. And, and, and man, I hate this guy over here. I hate him. I, I'm so angry at her, at him, at this, at her. Listen, anger, when it controls you, dear God, man, it'll trip you up. It'll ruin Christmas. It'll ruin New Year's. It'll ruin President's Day. It'll ruin every day when it controls you. So it's not a sin 
to be angry. Sin is an emotion. Jesus gave us emotions. Jesus himself had emotions. Jesus himself became angry, but he used it in the right way and went about making change for a good cause. Now, us, though, when we let anger control us, it can ruin your life. We could talk about this all day long, but we're going to kind of wind down here. So I just want to caution you as we enter into this Christmas season, this holiday season, areas to have self-control, you will get angry at somebody at a store, at work, probably especially at home. But what are you going to do? You're going to exercise self-control. And you're not going to blow up on someone and say, I couldn't help it. He finally pushed me to my breaking point. I couldn't help it, so I hit him. No, that's not an excuse. You're going to be able to say, I'm very angry right now, but God has given me a spirit of self-discipline, a spirit of self-control. And so on your alley here, sometimes the hardest people to get along with are your loved ones. So the devil would use this tool to come in and try to mess things up. Don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. See it coming before it happens and be able to go back to this message right now, right at the beginning of this season and say, you know what? I see what's happening right here. I, I can't be mad at him. I can't be mad at her. Listen, I don't, I don't blame them right now. I see what this is. This is a trap that the devil, he puts some bait out there. He's hoping I'll grab that bait so he can come in and beat my brains in. No, don't fall for it this year. Wouldn't it be great if this was the first Christmas and there was no massive major family argument? No big old family feud. Nobody mad at each other. It just, man, you may, you know, push each other's buttons a little bit, but nobody blew up. Everybody just got through it and, and, and it was the best Christmas you've ever had. I would love that this year. And one way you can do that, you can't control everybody else, but you can control you. So even if everybody else is being mean and angry and annoying, that's them. I can't do them. I can do me. I can't control me. And if you want to get mad and if you want to, you know, eat yourself into a coma, you're passed out, sick, that's you. I can't help that, but I can help me. And I choose 2016 is going to be the absolute best holiday season that I have ever had up to this point. Until 2017, it'll be even better. Amen. So for us today, yes, we're going to celebrate being thankful. Yes, we're going to eat and have a great time. We're going to share stories. We're going to celebrate the victories of 2016. We're going to do all that stuff. But we're going to proceed forward through the next few weeks and into the new year controlling ourselves. When we're tempted to say, I really want to hit him, no. I really want to just cram that last piece down, no. I'm going to, I'm going to exercise control and, 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 and discipline myself to the point where I can say no to things that are not good for me, and yes to things that are right for me. Self-control. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. God loves you. I love you. Let's stand up. Let's do that, all right? Very good.